welcome to the T-Hut Podcast. This is part two of our mega episode two-year anniversary special. If you missed episode 44, be sure to check, check it out for the first half of our discussions at ttpopcast.com. So, like, in 2019, a gangster movie with that level of talent is so disconnected from the movie viewing populace, like, that you have to go Netflix for that? Yeah. I don't know. It's just depressing for me when I think about it. And at the same time, that's not even something that's new. You're taking these actors who are predominantly known for those types of films yeah, and a director that's predominantly that's known for those types of films yeah, very clearly who, who is very... Stubborn and wants to make a Scorsese film with Scorsese actors. That's not new stuff. That's just. Hey, you're right. That's borderline remake. You know. Uh, that's a good point. But then it's again. But it's so weird that like a studio, any studio, wouldn't invest right. It does in fly in the in the face of our theory mm-hmm. of the the predominance of these remake stuff, right? I gotta tell you, I don't think that would have made money in theaters. I think that would have yeah. been the movie they spent fifty million dollars on, and it made twenty. Well, and I also think that those specific actors, they may be a draw for us, but even someone 10 years younger than us, I don't think that I, I doubt not it at too. all. No? Maybe there's other... Even fa- Scorsese's as, as a director is, would not be a draw. Who's a movie star nowadays? That's the thing. I don't other even than, know. Like, maybe Chris Evans, maybe a couple of these Marvel people. Sure. And, but are they really a movie star or are they just like a superhero star? Are sure, because like, everyone knows may know their name, but yeah. is that, that doesn't necessarily translate into those fans moving to migrating to other movies that they would star in. No, I think that for the generation coming up, the stars or like the popular people, they're, they're on Instagram, they're on YouTube. They're these people that have 50 million followers. They don't really have talent necessarily, but or their talent is elsewhere. It's not really in movies. Right. But perhaps they branch into movies or they branch into TV or they have they cameo on something. And that might bring people, you know, like I think having some of these uh, like um, musicians in some roles has done that for some films just yeah. because of the draw for really young people. Right. But in terms of actual actors, I don't know if actors sell movies anymore. Well, and even those those spot, they don't that doesn't relate to or translate to quality. Um, no. Tangenting a little bit, but. Uh, Wizards kind of uh, Wizards of the Coast. They're they're kind of revamping their uh, Magic the Gathering um, pro scene or some sect of it. I don't I don't quite know the different divisions, but um, what they want to do is get into a lot more streaming stuff. And what they've done is they've pulled like the 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 few pro tour MTG names that people in that that realm know. And have like asked them to start streaming, like their MTG online and stuff. And these these pro players, they're not streamers, and the quality is not there. Like it's not up to where you could draw in people interested in watching streams of this specific content. And it's just funny that like streaming itself and like some types of YouTube content creation is a strange skill set in and of itself in possibly the loosest definition of a skill maybe, but like it is a skill. It is a skill. It is a skill. And, but it doesn't translate to other things and other things don't translate to it, which is interesting. Yeah, it's very odd. Like YouTube is a very strange thing. It's, it's almost its own beast. Yeah. And then streamers and Twitch is it's, it's uh, its own thing as well. And they're both huge. Yeah. I mean, for me, like I'm, I'm a little above that, ahead of that generation. Like for me, watching streamers is not really a thing. 
occasionally like it's it's maybe like the odd thing i might see usually on youtube i might watch someone who has already streamed and yes, watch a i will watch i will predominantly watch an upload of a stream one just because uh you know i will get a twitch notification i'm in the middle of doing something i can't tune into a stream exactly like that it just it's it again boils down to that my own convenience and on my own timetable i want i still want to consume your content but when i can not when you are necessarily offering it mm-hmm. which it kind of shitty for those content creators because like that's what drives a lot of their twitch success too right is getting those subscribers and those viewers and all that however the hell twitch is we- twitch is really weird how it is. they have a ton of different like like monikers and like dictate weird different hierarchies of paid or unpaid or subscribed or tip i don't know it's very weird i have no idea how it really works mm-hmm. as far as being successful at it anyways it's just Huge tangent, but it kind of relates to what does and doesn't drive sales and or translate to quality and or translate to fans and that kind mm. of stuff. Right? Do you think it's a skill to bottle up uh, your bathwater and sell it on uh, <laughs> Twitch for $20 a bottle? Is Whoa, that a skill? It, it depends who you are. I heard that was a hoax. Or is it real? So her stuff was all like trolling, but it, but it, she sold it. It's I'm pretty so- sure. <laughs> Oh, it's really? hilarious! Wow. Of course, of okay, course. It so did. her whole of thing, she's like just a cosplayer, basically, and posting seductive photos as cosplayers are wont to do, and making comments like, "Hey, if you if I hit a hundred thousand subscribers, I'll post a video on YouPorn or something." And then, oh, wow. and, they're, and they're, she's like, "They're like, okay." And then uh, and she so, hits a hundred thousand, hundred thousand, and posts a video. A snap a she just said a video, so she, <laughs> she po- or she posts a video, and the video is like me eating or. or uh, uh, what was it? It was like PewDiePie inside me or something, and it was just her eating like pictures of PewDiePie, <laughs> and like that that's like perfect, like next that level is trolling. So that's good, great. yeah, that's really good. And then like um, something about like you know, oh, if you do this, and I'll take a bath or something, and then like, it was like her in like a bathing suit taking a bath, yeah. and then like selling the fucking bath water for twenty dollars a bottle. Uh, yeah, so well, I'd buy crazy. yours for forty, Marty. You know, I sold out. Um, <laughs> there's water restrictions this summer. So. I had to say, I had to stop <laughs> taking a bath. Yeah. My income dried up. <laughs> <laughs> there's not enough fluid. Dried up faster than the California's water. Yeah, there's students at massage school have been great clients. Um, let's let's jump into the the board game stuff. Sure. Version of this. Well, I think um, certainly along the lines of change. Yes, obviously the the board game oh, industry huge change has changed significantly in the last 20 to 30 years. So, yeah, obviously, board games now are, are vastly different than the mass-produced that were widely available. It's still widely available, but predominantly available like when our parents were children. I think the depth that you could do with a board game had barely been imagined with our well, parents' generation. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was lack of creativity or talent or if it was literally just a product of its own environment and the types of companies that were producing them because obviously the profit was the significant factor being in uh, any any game's production right um and you know as cheaply as possible as mm-hmm. as, as as marketable as widely marketable as possible right as uh, available widely available as possible at x price or you know i don't even think there was a market for it at one point like i i mean i think these were predominantly thought of as things for small children 
yeah. for a long time or something oh you can do this with your family on a family night and that was <laughs> a, that was about family. all they could market to for a right. long time and then that market grew and then also shifted it did yeah, yeah. well so, i mean but they were just so shallow it was like kiddie pool shallow like i went through a bunch of games that were popular over the years and you look at games like sorry or games like um uh man it was just in my mind a moment ago. oh risk you know, as a quote-unquote war game of sorts. And they are just so, so surface-level shallow. Yeah. I don't think I could go back to any sort of game like that. I, th- um, I think popular media in general for a very long time was what was shallow because yeah. that is what's easy to market to everybody, you know? I mean, there's a reason why The Big Bang Theory had so many viewers. There's a reason why Monopoly w- sells so much and continues to do so. Right. It's easy. It's what people know. It's something that is mindless. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like Risk is probably always going to be around because it has a name and people sometimes don't want the complicated new thing. Yeah. Yeah, but I think obviously that's now completely changed. I mean, I do think there were, of course, foreshadowing or or I'm trying to look for another term for it. But, I mean, I look at the Game Master series that Axis and Allies was part of in the 1980s, and I think that kind of foreshadowed the types of games that could come. Mm, Pre-coming is the word you're looking for. (laughs) I guess so. The the, the (laughs) pre-coming board games of the 1980s, you know, let us know of the the explosion of games to Mm. come in the 2000s. And you were forewarned. You were forewarned. But, I mean, it is just amazing, the creativity that I'm seeing. Like, I mean, I love that that Black Orchestra game. Yeah. Um, it just even the creativity that went into it, how ornate that board is showing Berlin. Right. I mean, we were talking, like, with TV movies, when was the golden age? And we picked different times. And Marty said it keeps going on. The, the golden age for board games is now. I mean, yeah. without question, it's now. Um, and I've got some questions about that. Later, Leland, which, well, maybe I guess I could ask him now. Uh, is there a possibility for like a 1983 video game crash, but board games, where there's just so many made by so many producers that something is going to trigger it, whether it's manufacturer becomes overwhelmed or just starts putting out shittier, right. shittier pieces? Well, um, I don't know if a crash is per se... Um... Like, I mean, obviously, we've, again, commented plenty of times on just the, the, the role that Kickstarter uh, had to do with the hobby industry and how it continued. But, like, it continues to the, – the, the pool is getting more and more diluted That's, very yes. clearly. Yes. And I don't know if, if – and, well, I, I, I do know, like, people in the hobby, longstanding hobbyists are – wise and know a shit game that's trying to be as marketable as possible when they see it but as the hobby grows and newer people come into it they are not so much right so as long as people are continuing to flock and enter the hobby i think there's there's still people to buy these the dilution (laughs) right Right. and uh yeah which kind of sucks it does, because it, it cuts down, it f- makes your job harder as a long-time hobbyist to try to wade through all this crap. And I think that all the, you know, there's so many small developers that, you know, one or two failures and they're out of the industry. I mean, and so I, I just, 
I worry if there's any sort of recession hmm. that it could hit the industry pretty hard and then the industry re-centralizes a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think to have that recession, you kind of need more of a boon for more people. Hmm. Uh, I, I don't quite think monetarily that the value of the hobby is not widespread across all of these different publishers enough to have a crash whereas i mean i think it was 2018's numbers for uh simon games everyone was like oh simon's losing money they're losing money because they one they didn't lose money but they didn't make as much as they did the previous year uh tons of contributing factories so mainly because they had i think like 30 percent less kickstarter games in that fiscal year than they did the previous and different types of games too which were not like they have quite they have a few like basically any game that eric lang designs is going to, and gets put up on kickstarter is going to make a million plus dollars on kickstarter uh plus there's zombicide that i think they've slowed down on actually it's like it seems like every year they bring out a new what they call season of zombicide whether or not they tweak something and it makes over a million dollars so i think i think like it's like there's the bulk of what money is being made in some of these publishers because they've i think they were able to get in during the construction phase and now they're just rising to the top as everything beneath them is piling up mm. um so i don't know if i don't know if crash is 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 the is the right word but mm. i could certainly see f- like fatigue i mean i'm experienced fatigue i don't consume nearly as much board game strictly board game media and content as i used to like i I I've don't remember that. the last time. Yeah, I've... I actually thought about this yeah. just before the segment yeah, started. Me too. And I was like, going to ask, well, what's what's the reason for that? Is it just personal budgetary reasons, or well, just... well, yes, yeah, certainly my my purchasing has slowed down greatly. Um, yeah, budgetary reasons and 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 whatever. I mean, there's plenty of games that would be cool to pick up, but like we barely play games either. Like mm-hmm. I never get to play them either. I mean, yeah. I don't know. And I, you know, I'm personally uh, on endeavoring on other ventures and stuff and you know lots of rpg stuff with uh, encouragement party blah, blah 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 so like my time is being eaten up more and more right also mm-hmm. and you just sometimes have to make room for other things right depending yeah, on fair. depending on your mood i suppose yeah i don't know it's i think i think fatigue is certainly setting in for a lot of people hmm. which is also shitty because there are still a lot of very interesting and innovative uh, game themes like there's a game um, called Abomination and it's got a subtitle I don't know what it is that um, just previewed at, at Gen Con I don't I don't think it's in stores yet but it's like basically you're you're like building Frankenstein's monster or some shit and it's like a worker placement but you're running around to like the graveyard and trying to harvest organs and body parts and stuff and very like macabre theme that looks very mm, cool that is cool <laughs> yeah actually uh, Girls Game Shelf just did a great uh, video on it which I'll, I'll put that in the show notes for sure because it's definitely worth checking out. But like, so there, there's very cool and interesting games that are coming up. But again, it's just like you got to separate the wheat from the chaff kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's these board games have really influenced culture in general at this point? Have they really invaded the normal, like just regular overall population? Or just have they become more a staple of the nerd population? I know that the the defi- the line is blurred now a little bit. Yeah, totally. Right. But 
I just when I think about just the average person that goes and watches an Avengers, but maybe doesn't know who all these characters are. I also don't think they know much about games outside of maybe Settlers of Catan. Right, it might right, be right. the deepest. Yeah, well, I, I think it's like it's like any type of culture is that there is there is a shallow end that mm, the majority of people, they're in the kiddie pool. So right, they they wade into the kiddie pool. Yeah, and. It's not until someone hands them a pair of water wings or maybe pushes them off into the deep end uh, in which they've really experienced the bulk of it. So you kind of feel like you're drowning in the ocean at this point. Yeah, I'm like fucking the, I'm like open water here. I got sharks yeah. circling. circling I'm yeah. trying to tread, I'm treading water here. And just, <laughs> I'm just, you're just trying to hold on to a fucking, a meeple and not sink. <laughs> yeah. meeple doesn't meeple. float. <laughs> um, do you think that this fatigue might lead to an end to the golden age where things just really kind of slow well, down. Well, yeah, because again, when you have the new people entering, getting getting the the kitty entering the kiddie pool to continue this analogy, then how many of those kiddie pools are actually getting into the deep end? Right, where I believe the 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 innovation and the dollars, in my opinion, should be going to to the right. small, to the publishers that are making great passion project games that should be getting the recognition and success uh, that they deserve yeah that's it's interesting i don't know because they because you kind of i think of like the 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 spiel awards like the the german awards that come out every year and like nobody knows what those fucking things are and yes within the industry like when um when splendor won i think i don't know which the spiel maybe uh, whatever the family game one was, it, it, the game it the year Splendor came out, it, it won or was a runner-up, and so there was an emblem that was, you know, they can now put it on the box of these games, and it, history has shown that these games, like those awards, do significantly increase sales of these games. Huh. Interesting. But like, but like I, those are again from this pool of people that know what these awards because I. Like I don't even know what all of the awards are. I don't no. know. <laughs> I don't because I don't get. I don't care about them. Part like I, I don't give a shit. You what. haven't dreamed your whole life of winning a Speely. I have <laughs> not dreamed of winning a Speely. You know. So I don't know. It's just interesting to me. And like even like that's a section of the pool that I don't tread into. Because hmm. someone peed over there, and I don't want to go over there. Hmm. <laughs> and yeah, I, I don't is, know. It's weird, right? That is interesting. Like, yeah, you make a good point. It's it's when someone when new people enter the industry. They don't just jump into the deep end to start. Yeah. You know, there's they're encountering, you know, they get excited, they play a few good games, they go on Kickstarter, and now they're seeing this kind of diluted pool. Right. And how many of them, after a few average to poor Kickstarters, continue on, yeah. are really passionate? Well, and, and the thing about the... Well, I, I, I think it's also very much like the video game industry. For you to be pushed into the deep end can very easily like you'll drown and never get back in the pool again like you'll come you'll claw yourself out spitting up water and never want to go back because if you're if we're akinning the deep end of this pool to uh, more in-depth like strategic games and more heavier rule sets then you don't want to throw somebody who's never played these games before and throw them into a game of of uh like ti4 or whatever or whatever game hell even a even a game uh like i don't know maybe like a a simple-ish game like Viticulture, very popular game, but for someone who's not accustomed to these, like that's a lot to handle. Mm-hmm. And 
you if you are the one responsible for introducing somebody into this hobby and you were and you were trying to do that then you need to tread lightly sometimes depending on who the audience is very easy to overwhelm but i think what i despite the change i i think the board games is one of these three is the one thing that is this generational uh like divide it bridges it like every time i visit my grandparents i mean yeah gramps has no interest but uh granny will sit down and play any game i show her and like i know which ones i can bring and which ones that i think she'll like and so far i've hit successes and what what really like proved to me like how how accessible this hobby is is like after she and i played two of these games i think it was um we played azul and we played dragon castle very lighter games uh, very tactile games very very pretty games and and fun i i enjoy both of them but like what really cemented it for me was like like she and i she was like discussing strategies that she should have employed Uh, after we had played the game ah that's and she's very interested so like that's just i don't know that's just that is that speaks volumes yeah i think you're you yourself are very very good at reading people and knowing what they would want to play or what might be good about getting them included Mm -hmm. i think that's like a skill you that not everyone would have even if they're into the game board gaming culture or they're you know buying a ton of games right but like whenever i've seen you bring games to a group setting even if you barely know the people you almost have like a read like okay that person has barely played games this type of game or like i'm gonna play with those guys this type of game four people that type of game or like something new and exciting that type of game like you're very good at it Mm -hmm. well i think that is also a lot about curating the way i've curated my collection as well right you do have a lot of options for this yeah yeah which I think makes, for me, makes a successful collection. I mean, that's yeah. the only way I get to play games. I often play with newer players mm-hmm. or people less acquainted with the hobby, I should say, as you know, we're all pretty well versed in it itself, but not quite the depth of games that the hobby itself offers, right? True. But hey, you have three weeks of me, so yes. we can play games. <laughs> we should. We yeah. can and we should. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, I... I almost hesitate to say that they're still in a golden age. I kind of feel like there is a little bit of a lull in in with board games, mm-hmm. and maybe that is just because we have a lull. Yeah. But it feels like there's a lull. And, and I know. I, like I, I, I feel like I am in a slump mm-hmm. when it comes to the board game industry. And, and again, uh, touching uh, its personal reasons or whether it's actually a reflection of what's happening in the hobby, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I totally get what you're saying, Marty. Mm-hmm. I feel, however, that RPGs like D and D's and these types of things, these is, are making a sort of resurgence in the last couple of years that has been yeah, and and like big. Yes, it has been like since five E really. Yeah. yeah, I mean Dungeons Dragons specifically, of course, but I think more indie RPGs in general are getting yeah. a lot more spotlight. They're a lot more accessible, and again, Kickstarter has a lot to do with that as well mm-hmm. so easy to to back a 15 dollar pdf for a cool looking yeah, yeah exactly. oh yeah and easy it's so easy i mean you yeah. can you can distribute it with like next to no effort yeah absolutely um absolutely. you know i i really found this myself that i started listening to some D podcasts mm-hmm. um not including yours yet <laughs> Son of a bitch. i know right and i never thought it was something i would enjoy like no. and i mean i listened to like one that's just almost purely comedic for the most part right right right. but at the same time it's like i didn't think i'd enjoy listening to people role play hmm. and however i think it's one of the most entertaining things i listen to on the drive to work 
Wow. It's yeah. one of my favorite podcasts. Cool. I, I, I also very much enjoy listening to live play RPGs. And it's it's funny, though, um, whenever I listen to podcasts, what a lot of interest in some of them comes from uh, one, like, production quality, uh, as I you may not translate to the quality of this podcast, um, but I am always striving to make it sound better. And I think we've done a, a I like our quality has improved quite significantly. Yes. Oh my goodness, yes, has it ever? Yes. Very much so. And even in the few short months of the Incredible Party, because I do all the editing, that quality has also improved. Uh, I would say significantly. Maybe it's not as um, not as severe as what I think it is, but like I've recently listened back to some of those older episodes, and like I want to go back and redo them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I'm not not. I don't feel like it is a representation of the current quality of the show, which is very typical, I mean, of, of, of the first few episodes of any podcast, obviously. Well, if you listen to a great podcast or a great, even watch a great YouTube video, you almost shouldn't be able to tell there's editing. Right. It's like you just, it just feels so tight. Right. But the editing's so good, it's so on point. They but keep, there they, has to be editing because it's so tight. Yeah, <laughs> but it keeps all the important aspects there. Right. Like, I mean, listening to a D&D podcast where, like, they keep just, like, the perfect amount of rolls and the noise yeah. of the rolls, exactly. and then they also cut out, like, the stupid conversations with the dungeon master that maybe didn't need to take place or right. to- excessive clarifying and, like, things like that. But they keep enough of it that you're like, oh, okay, they're still playing D&D. These are still idiots listening to the dungeon master. Like... <laughs> I find that fascinating, and like I wonder, like you as a editor, like you as editing these things, how much of that do you feel like you have to cut? Well, um, for our show, I actually don't feel like I cut that much. Well, I mean, also our show is geared for like a like a teaching tool where we try to attract new and people RPG curious, is what we say. Mm. So a lot of the explanation, the rules explanations. I keep in because that's our shtick, right? Of course, I try to get remove as, as some of the repetition that some of our newer players may actually need. You know, obviously because it's a show and it, it, it needs to have some level of production. But I also think that a lot of that comes from the style of Dungeon Master. Whereas I, I try to keep everything on track as much as possible. Although a lot of some of my favorite moments are just when the players just go off or five or ten minutes just role-playing and discussing things amongst themselves and all that stuff so yeah it is a balance but it's almost like seeing your kids take their first steps and they finally like they've built their own world now and right well yeah. i i will say the progression of how far bill and elena have come because they were they they had never role-played before starting the incredible party podcast and they had never like made a podcast before so they are learning to play this game and learning to role play and get comfortable with their own characters while learning how to podcast <laughs> yeah so that's a lot on their plate. that is a lot there's a lot on their plate and they have they have come so far just getting a handle you just on their threw characters them in the deep end like they yes, want they, they wanted to go pushed. in the kiddie pool I, and you just pushed them i grabbed them each around the waist and i jumped in and pulled them right to the bottom Actually, I think Blake likely Ooh, Blake, Blake. Blake likely threw them in one <laughs> under each arm. Well, it took us quite a few episodes to get to Blake likely, but you just made a podcast so you could put Blake likely <laughs> just on a podcast. Blake, Blake. Why didn't you just make a Blake likely podcast? Hey, Marty, did you see? Because um, 
We got That's, awesome fan art of Blake Lakely. Uh, yeah, Emily, really? Emily's a graphic artist. Oh. And like the moment she posted, because I have her on Twitter, I knew it was Blake Lakely before I even saw well, that it was Blake That Blake was Lakely. actually... Um, from a listener. Or, oh shoot, that's right. Yeah, uh, Jessica's her name, and she's done a, a few fan art. She did. That's awesome. It's so cool. I'll show you. It's really great. He's got like yeah. the half slanted, sleepy eyes. Do we have so fan like, art? I'm like, like, like. No, we don't have any no. fan art. Jessica listens to this too. So hey, Jessica, make us some fucking fan art. <laughs> I want yeah. a Leland Steel fan just art. Just think, just think, aviators and muscles. That's no, <laughs> Moby, Moby has the muscles. You can. Yeah, he's the, the, he's the bodybuilding guy. Just, oh. just you know, as long as I don't have sleeves, that's fine. <laughs> just a miss, just a question mark with no sleeves. <laughs> just like arms coming out with a question mark. <laughs> the Riddler. Uh, uh, well, do you want to jump into video? Well, I had one last thing. Okay. So, kind of, um, kind of the future of uh, the the hobby, and very there has been a trend moving more to digitizing aspects of games and i think it was simon actually that recently had a kickstarter about basically this this platform for playing games and it was like this uh almost it's like it's like borderline selling a a video game console there it's like got this electronic board that they would then be producing games that would be compatible and used as if they're you know you're inserting a disc Oh, the 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 pieces would all like talk, you know, electronically to to the map that's of, and you know, I don't know all this integration. I didn't look into it. It was very expensive. I would imagine, and I, I don't know how successful it has or hasn't been, or if the Kickstarter is still running. I don't know. I just can't, I just kind of remembered as we were. In terms of future future things, it definitely seems like a possibility. Yeah, I don't I don't know how it's going to kick off because it's going to be like only compatible with games they make compatible mm-hmm. for it, right? Very right. kind of interesting. The integration with smartphones is another thing that is just going to keep growing as yeah. well. Yeah. Well, even even digital digital implementations of of games themselves. Yeah. There's so many different Oh, I see I see them all the same have. all the time now even in like the Steam store or even on um a lot on, on the Switch. The on Switch, the Switch. Is getting a ton yeah, of I just saw stuff. a bunch of games, and yeah. I know them all from playing them with yeah. you. And I'm like, wait, that's a that's a game now. Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. Neat. It's crazy how much the Switch is, has, is. They must make a killing too, because like they're so. thirty nine bucks for some of these fucking games. Because I have just anecdotally a lot of board game people that I follow and interact with on Twitter love the Switch and are all about like Nintendo in mm-hmm. general. And I think those are very two overlapping demographics, which mm. is which is just smart for Nintendo. it is and inconvenience too with the switch. That if you want to play a game for half an hour and you're not with friends, but yeah. you can turn on the switch online Absolutely. now and just turn on. You're sitting in an airport Absolutely. and fire up. I don't know whatever a board game is called. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it? Transatlantica and. <laughs> God, that's right. <laughs> Battlestar Transit. Oh, Lanigan. that's such a good game. We need to play that game. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that would... Uh, we can't top that, so let's just move on. All right. Well, moving on is you. Oh, good thing I prepared. This was actually the one part I didn't prepare for, my own segment. Oh. I didn't have time. Is your username okay. on your computer Martin is... Or <laughs> Marty is cool? No, it's Martin School. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was reading yeah, it from the side. It's, like, it's my school computer. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
That's actually really funny. I should change that. <laughs> Martin is cool. But Mar- then if someone's like, is that what that? And then you say, no, you can still use the same excuse, but it actually says <laughs> that you're cool. No, it says Marty is cool. <laughs> Reminds me of that old Jeopardy from like Saturday Night Live with Sean Connery when they, he'd be on it or the guy playing Sean Connery. You guys ever see that? It's SNL? Yeah, yeah. Where he'd like read things like, you know, I'll take Ape's tit. For like yeah. 800. <laughs> it's like a, awesome. a petite. You know they have Jeopardy on Netflix now? I did see that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so weird. Like, it is weird. We don't, who needs cable? Get, out of, get yeah. this cable out of here. Wow, I just have a hankering for some Jeopardy. <laughs> you know, I almost I almost put it on in the background. <sighs> that is true. It is good background yeah. fluff. But for me, I still use podcasts for that. Like that's just yeah, my background yeah, stuff. Like true. Or YouTube videos, I guess. Yeah. Sorry. No, tangents. it's cool. It's honestly, they're good tangents and it's really interesting. I, I like this that we're, it's all kind of together because it really is at the yeah. end of the no, day. totally. I mean, all, yeah. all this medium. Well, and, 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 and like the, one of the main premises in the inception of this show was how much overlap there is between these three hobbies mm-hmm. as well, right? I mean, there's so many similarities and so many differences that are interesting to reflect and, and uh, comment on. Well, yeah, the changes and like the changes that are still coming. And it's kind of odd because I almost think we're not really the right people for it to talk about the future anymore. I I feel like we're starting to fall into that. Like, we're kind of old now. Yeah, old and curmudgeonly. A little bit. It's weird. And but I don't think it's I don't think it's anything that we're doing. It's literally just life moves on. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it's funny because at school, there's some people who are 18, 19 and they play Pokemon Go. And it's a. (laughs) It's a big thing. Right. They do this every break, and there's probably like six of them. And it's like they're running around catching Pokemon on the fucking sidewalk yeah. and like running around chasing them late for class because a Pokemon turned up on the Skytrain down the road. <laughs> and it's like, I don't really get that. Like, I don't really what, understand. What are those kids doing? But I'll, but, but I'll still buy Pokemon Sword and Shield when it comes out. <laughs> well, of course. That's good quality. That is just obvious. Yes, yeah. yeah, so Exactly. Yeah. Um. Back in my day, Pokemon, <laughs> you actually had to catch him in a console. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to catch him from the safety of your own home. You didn't have to go outside. <laughs> you walked five miles each way up in the snow yeah. to catch a Pokemon. You had to go to the store and buy AA batteries and put it in your Game Boy. And it didn't have a backlight. I had God to, forbid it, that it got dark outside. I had to meet someone to trade for my view. <laughs> oh meet a, another human. Oh my God, that's so true. <laughs> we had to plug it. We had to dock. <laughs> we had to dock. Oh boy. Are you guys, are you kids docking with your friends? <laughs> <laughs> this is a PSA for the dangers of docking. <laughs> Holy fuck. Okay. So that's one way video games have changed. Yeah. <laughs> he just like acted it out. <laughs> Guys, I get an hour and a half out of my Game Gear battery life. Yay. Eat triple A batteries. Well, you know what? I get an hour and a half out of my cell phone, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Leland, you can move on from the Nokia. It's <laughs> I do need a new one. I did recently drop it, and my Captain America cover did not protect it. Vibranium, my ass. Oh, shit. I dropped my Kindle last night and put a hole in it. Oh, shit. So now it leaks light. <laughs> it does. Like, the backlight doesn't work properly. <laughs> That's hilarious. It is kind of funny. I almost, I actually laughed. It's right in the middle of the fucking screen, too. Oh, fuck. That's so frustrating. Yeah. 
Can you you can't scroll? You scroll the page. I can do absolutely everything, but it leaks light out of it. Oh, so you can still read. I can still read, but it looks weird. It's almost like there's like a weird shadow effect because light is streaming out the hole. Wow. I just, young listeners thinking, you know, read. These old men read. read. Sorry. Text. <laughs> text. <laughs> text. Yeah. It's not WhatsApp. Sorry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> video, games. video games. How have they changed? Um, so, you know, video games have changed a ton. Oh, yeah. Since our parents' generation, man. Okay. Since our generation, like even when... So, golden age of video games for me, probably late 2000s. Late hmm. 2000s, maybe early to 2010s. Um, but that's just because I had the, the perfect ratio of time and money. So, I yeah. had the money to buy what I wanted and I had an unlimited amount of time to play it, pretty much. So, like, when Bioshock came out, up like Fallout 3, these games, I had a ton of time. They were starting to hit, like... The graphics were the the high the level of graphics were in, insane for the time. Like Gears of War, when Gears yeah. of War first Holy came out, fuck. talk about a fucking jump and a generational jump yeah. there, right? I don't know if we'll ever see a jump like that again. Like yeah. I just don't know. I don't know what. I mean, obviously, like technology is still rapidly changing. I mean, load times on some games now are so fast. Like some of the games on my computer, like games that would have taken twenty. <laughs> seemingly 20 minutes to load a fucking map like when you first turned on a big game like just like snap done mm-hmm. um so that like stuff like that but i think in terms like the big changes for me is, is the fact that the quality and the variety of games now is is just enormous like it's not mm-hmm. just there's very there's still shovelware out there but there's so much quality that like you can really easily avoid the shovelware. And you know what you're getting now, for the most part, because of the internet, because of reviews, because of Steam. You know what you're getting into, for the most part. I mean, you probably don't on the Switch, because there is none of that. You just see a forklift simulator and go, oh, boy, that looks great. (laughs) Um, But the the quality is there, and the the golden age, though, I think for me, it's gone. I don't I think that the the golden age has passed, but the the, the way it's waning, I don't think is too bad i think it's just going to ebb and flow a little bit Mm. um you see this with like the call of duties and the other things that that they come and they they hit a big peak and then they start sinking but then they kind of find their way back and you're you're going to see that this year with modern warfare that you know they've kind of gone back to a a series and and what was popular about it and trying to kind of maybe reignite that fire right and maybe it won't be the same popularity but they'll find a little bit of it um, do you guys feel like the industry's waning a little bit, or what do you think? Myself, I've also in in a slump with video games mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. Um, a lot of that though does boil down to well, one obviously time manager, but like I I don't rarely buy new games anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last new one I bought was Spider Man. Played the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Great game. And God of War before that. Yeah, and God of War before that. And then before that, I don't know. I literally don't know. I, yeah, you know, I notice your thing is a little more like 25 to $30 indie game. Something just comes up. You're like, hey, that might be fun. Yeah. It's it's in that price range that you can justify it, Yeah. you know, in case it does suck. Yeah. Because I remember you bought something before that that was just like, you were like, why the fuck did I buy this? Oh, yeah, it was, it was like, terrible. It was like yeah. 20 bucks. I forget, yeah. don't even remember what the fucking name was. It was so bad. Because if you walk into a store and just look at the box art or something, like, you don't know what you're getting. But when we were kids, it didn't matter. You know, right. like, it was still almost something 
fun about a terrible game at the same time. Yeah, like, yeah. But now it, there's so much that's good that it's like, man, when you get something that's just got so, even one thing that's really god awful about it, you almost can't redeem it anymore. Yeah, totally true. I, and why do I watch garbage TV? We've always wondered. But don't can't stand garbage game. I think games take more effort. Yeah. TV, you can just put on, lay there, do something else. You know, video games take your time. They actually do seem to take, at least for me now, they take a certain level of energy. Yes. Hmm. Um, I found, good point. I found this last night that I wanted to start firing up my Switch, and that's why I started watching the boys on Amazon Prime, because I just couldn't justify the energy expenditure of actually playing a game that required me to think and move my hands. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, I hear that. That's interesting. I'm probably, like, my golden age was the mid-90s to early 2000s. So since basically when I got my N64 through the first couple years of GameCube, those were awesome. And I was playing, like, a shit ton of GameCube. Not necessarily multiplayer, even though I had great functionality for that, but just Mm -hmm. so many games I love for that system. But probably out of us three, I'm still the most playing video games like i still buy them fairly regularly and games i don't even tell you guys about because you know i know say you and i are probably comparable obviously that like i waned a little bit during school there's a big difference for me though um not not necessarily from you but a big difference from how i used to be in that i am i don't care enough about games to buy them right when they come out except in very rare situations. Like, I'll buy Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 when it comes out. I'll pre-order it or whatever at full yeah. cost. I'm willing to wait I'll for... I'll buy it at a high price. That's a good... <laughs> nice drop. Nice drop. Talk about gold. Stranger. <laughs> um, but I will wait for a game to go on sale, um, at least partially, like 30%, 50%. And Steam is pretty good at putting games on sale pretty quick. Like they let that kind of first initial early adopters buy yep. and then they start to put on sale easily within the first year, usually like four oh, to six months. Steam, later. depending on the time of year you buy, if you if something comes out in October, you might be able to get it during the Black Friday weekend for half price. Exactly. And yeah. you just have to just kind of just hold on for that month. You know, if you say you want the new Assassin's Creed, like you hold on for a month, you're getting it half price. But you know... I think what I'm getting at my point here, Marty, is when I was younger, there was less impulse control for me to wait. It was like, I just want to, even if I don't really have the money, you know, I just want it. I want it now. And I'm willing to wait now because I have a lot of other media to consume, Mm. both TV, video, and board, well, video games, because I've got so many that I haven't played much of. Yeah, it's interesting. I I agree to some extent. I, I often will, if I'm not sure about it, I like to wait till it's on sale. But I still buy a lot at full price, and mm. I think my reasoning is more that I don't really consume that much other media. Okay. I really, I, I mean, I get Netflix. I'm on like um, someone else's plan, so I just use their plan. Um, that oh, edit that out. Go to jail. Um, but <laughs> okay. no, we have a family plan for Netflix, so I, right. I just use the family plan. Um, and then that's it, pretty much. Right. Like, I mean, I had HBO for a while. I got rid of that. Um, I have Amazon Prime because I have the student Amazon Prime, right? So. She plus I had the the free month on the other account for why I have several accounts I don't know, um, <laughs> but I'm not paying very much month oh, to month. You, you, right. One account is for ordering all the sex toys, and the other account is for everything else. Oh, so I hadn't had the Amazon. Well, I did have the sex toy 
Amazon Prime because I needed those right away. Your main account. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was the main <laughs> one. The other one was for school. Right. Um, I want one day shipping. <laughs> <laughs> I want it now. I need, my sex toy now. I need it literally right now. I need it I'm on the drone. I want you to drop it from the sky. It's ready to kill those! Why is it not in a package? <laughs> it is a package. <laughs> yeah, good. so fuck. You guys are throwing me way off. I'm throwing myself off. Okay, um, but I yeah. do like buying things when they first come out. I bought Mario Maker at full price. I bought Fire Emblem at full price. And also because Nintendo very rarely lowers their price. That is true, actually. That they, is If true. they have a good game, they will keep that at $79.99 until they have a new console. Yeah, they will. They do do that now. Um, I don't know how they do that, and the other consoles just seemingly drop drop prices immediately. Like, I mean, Spider Man PS4, I'm pretty sure is like thirty nine dollars. That's crazy. Yeah, you know? Steal for that. Game. Yeah, and um, even like, I mean, I know The Last of Us came out like several years, like a long time ago at this point. Yeah, but like, but yeah. it went but it went down in price fast, and then they re released it and it was fast. And you can get it free with everything now. Like yeah. they they just don't give a shit. No, it's five bucks. Like yeah. <laughs> just here. You, you buy a new controller here. Get You get The Last of Us for free. Um, <laughs> oh, hey, you buy a hot dog from the vendor outside? Yeah, you get Last of Us. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you get it on free Slurpee Day at 7-Eleven, Oh, too. yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Digital code. Uh, you test drive a Tesla, you get The Last of Us. <laughs> so, <laughs> one of the things I was thinking that's changed since our parents, because my parents cannot get past this, or they can't understand this, is the narrative that video games can have now. They can have a damn good story that's as good or better than TV or film. And my parents will not believe that when I've taught, when I try to explain this to them. You know what it is? And I've, I've been trying to rack my brain around this a little bit and wrap, kind of get, get to the point because my wife and I have this discussion quite often and she can't understand why I enjoy video games to the degree I do. She'll see them for what they are on superficial levels. Like that's violent or that's entertaining or that, you know, that is, wow, the graphics are cool. But like, in terms of experiencing it, unless you've actually sat down and played or maybe even watched a full single player game, mm. you're not going to experience it. You don't understand the context of actually like experiencing a narrative in a right. different way than you do. It's way more akin to a book, in my opinion, than it is to a movie or a TV series. Um, but I think the best it's really more like a role-playing game like you play with friends like it's just you experience something that you really only experience in your own context like even if it's simple it's like it's yeah movies are like that too but there's something to be said about you're experiencing it at your own pace Mm -hmm. and that's definitely evolved over the years i think you can't argue that video games are art there's not maybe all of them but they can be they can yeah. be really interesting pieces of art they can tell a really complicated story they can tell a really unique story and they can do something that most other medias can't even come close to because how how could you like you can't the the way of releasing it alone like you can make a video one person can make a video game and make i mean stardew valley yeah like yeah indie is the other big thing i have like um, i mean the narrative in stardew there. valley is just what you make it and yet, you can make a really entertaining story for yourself just playing that game. But if you looked at that on a superficial level, you're just making a farm and growing. Yeah, you're watering pumpkins. You're watering pumpkins. <laughs> you're literally watering pumpkins. You know, one question I had is, what parts of the video game industry have stayed consistent since we were kids? Nintendo. Nintendo. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> the, the last to change, Nintendo. 
um, and their first party developments, certainly. But I mean, I think one of the things that we still have that will change in the next generation is physical releases. I think that's that's going to be all. I think, honestly, that might be gone sooner than we think, or at least very limited. You may see some for you'll see this in PCs still that you can still buy some PC games in physical copies. Maybe like a Diablo, you know, that like a high level game, a World of Warcraft, something like that. I shouldn't say high level, but very popular. Um, but other than that, do you really see a physical PC release ever? Mm-hmm. It's usually a box with a code in it anyways. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. Well, my friend Joe, I mean, I was having my uh, CD-ROM or DVD-ROM on my laptop was being a little bit fussy, and I asked him for some tips on how to fix it. He said, I don't know, because my gaming rigs don't have any CD-ROM ports yeah. anymore. Nor does mine. Well, it blew my mind, though. I didn't know that. And I, it surprises me to hear yours doesn't. So I made, I considered putting it in. And I thought it's unnecessary. 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 Leland said it. Yeah, and I think that's because of you know the popularity of downloading. But it's really, I'm not happy that the savings in manufacturing costs have not been passed to us. I brought this up on the podcast. I feel like they have. I feel like um, the savings in manufacturer costs are reflected in the fact that video game prices haven't really gone up because they really haven't. uh, That is true. And I actually had I had that curiously written down. I was like, yeah, prices kind of stayed very consistent for like 30 years. So is it perhaps that, you know, they're just because there's no inflation? That is the savings. I think it's part of it. I think that's something that they just went, oh, we can save money on this. Oh, thank God, because they're not saving money anywhere else. The fact that they can release things digitally, that's the best way they save money. Yeah. Well, the way, I mean, of course, this of the three, this is the most changing industry because it's strictly technologically based. based. Mm -hmm. It's a very good And the only, cost will only rise with advanced technology. Like, that's just how technology works. And yet they haven't, really. Exactly, which I think totally plays into your theory about just this no inflation and mm-hmm. the one air aspect that savings possibly can be clawed out of it, but nowhere else. Yeah, you're right. There's the only place I've seen them rise and be like maybe extreme would be like the uh, um, like the VR stuff. The VR, like the high level VR stuff, is very very costly. You know, like you yeah. get into like the the new uh, HTC Vive. I think like thousands of dollars to get the full wow. full setup. Crazy. Um, but like the the software isn't there to use it yet, though. No, nothing is really where because the popularity is not high enough for them to make the high level stuff that would make it right. But you know, putting out the vibe at a grand entry point is the stupidest thing they can do then mm-hmm. because they need it needs to be more accessible. Well, that's where P- PSVR has been more successful right. because it's kind of now lumped in with it. And it's easier to function. I think the headset's wireless. And like for you, I mean, you've all tried my setup, and it's like there's a lot of inconvenience about it. Getting it, getting it to to actually be functional, and the fact that like it's really only functional for one person of one height without adjusting everything. Yeah, absolutely. And then also it has a cord, and the cord's only six feet long, and it's like that's and you need a spot. You right need, now you, you pretty much do oh yeah i mean or but if you could set it up wireless in your living room and move a table out of the way yes then you're looking at something right and that's where it's headed but the cost is super high but the rest of video games haven't really followed suit yeah if anything they're cheaper than ever 
to. I just want to lay in my bed, put on my VR headset, and be able to do whatever I want. Yeah, and play FTL in VR. <laughs> well, they have like the what are they called? Like the um, uh, the Oculus Go, where okay. it's a standalone thing. Really? So like, yeah. So I don't know what the what quality of games you can load up on this thing. Right. But it's wireless. I'm pretty sure. So like the headset itself is like is the, the console right. or like the whatever streaming yeah. service yeah. thing. Yeah. One place I think the industry needs to catch up and will, um, particularly the console industry as it moves into, you know, non-physical releases, is they got to jack up the memory in these gaming consoles. Because even, in, in my opinion, even the higher level memory that you can get, like ROM, in these gaming consoles is way too little. If you want to, if you want to have it that all your games or most of them are going to be digital releases. Are you talking about storage space? Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. Like, and that's what's expensive for me with my Switch. My Switch has the maximum storage space that you can get base, but I filled it up pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Just a few games. And then what do you have to do? Buy an SD card and make sure it's a compatible one. Yeah, the Switch was one of those for sure that it had very little space, especially going with the route of being a console that is supposed to be portable. Right. Um, and then you could just throw a bunch of stuff on there. It, it was very odd, the fact that you need a uh, immediate add-on to do that. I think that was just to bring price points down. I think you see this a lot with the consoles too, that they the lower-end versions have very little storage space to bring down the price point and maybe people don't realize that what they're getting is basically just the exact same thing for $100 cheaper because you're missing the $100 hard drive. Yeah, but storage is so cheap now. Oh, well, I, 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 it, it, is it, it though? It is. Yes. But like, I mean... Especially compared to a de even a decade oh, ago. Oh, yeah. Remember even when we used to buy like the terabyte hard drives yeah. to store stuff? Yeah. And now, yeah. No, you're right about that. And I think you'll see this I mean, with... Unless, you're, unless you're having, your console has a solid state or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like it's cheap. Storage is cheap. Like, Even solid states are cheaper they than they were. $100 by, I mean, what's... Well, actually, that's a point I, I've actually written is that um, in the subsequent generation, I think we're going to see solid state everything for sure. Like even in consoles, I think it's a necessity to have a solid state. I think you'll see solid state or then whatever the next iteration of that is. It's just going to keep getting faster. I couldn't imagine having a PC that didn't have my OS on the solid state. It's so right. inconvenient to start up slowly now once you have it. Right. Um, it's just like firing up a, a 360 at this point. Like, I fired mine up maybe six months ago to just, you know, see if it still worked and stuff. It's so fucking slow. And like, <laughs> it just, funny. everything moves slow. Everything... Yeah, even my PS4 is slow as fuck. Yeah. Really? Okay, just it's moving. It's super slow. Yeah. yeah, just getting into the fucking thing. Yeah. It's very slow. Yeah. I guess it's pretty old. Well, I don't. I guess so. I don't even know when I got it as far as when it was released. I can't yeah. remember. Do you guys know if there's um, a program that exists currently for cloud storage of games, either on console or PC? There must be. I'm not sure. I know that a lot of, like, Steam stores a lot of your your information on the cloud. Yeah. Right? So, like, if you lose your save files or you delete a game, it's still stored for the most part. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I think uh, that's a whole other thing that, like, we have the Google Stadia coming. <laughs> um, and that's, you know. Yeah, okay, great. It's coming to three cities. Oh, awesome. is it? I don't well, know. Well, because they're targeting, of course, more heavily populated areas. Yeah. The areas that have better internet. Mm. So it, so the implementation of it will be the best possible. Mm. But, like, it's not... 
I mean, if you're in a in a remote, even a remote-ish area mm-hmm. with garbage internet, well, you're not, not gonna, gonna be able to stream. Yeah, no, you're not gonna be doing any of that. Stuff. No, and I didn't uh, like for me. I wasn't something that was even really on my radar because well, it, it's just another another Google product that you sign up and put all your money into it. That it's just going to be obsolete, and they're gonna abandon it like they always do. The Google Glass and Google and, Plus, yes, mm. and all this shit. It's just Google has a terrible well, track record. Google, the Google doesn't care because all Google needs is your information, in which they, they make they make your money exactly. off of it. They make your they. That's how they make <clears throat> money. They're a, they're a they're an information broker basically. Right. right. But that's always been their deal. Yeah. You know, I mean, they don't make money off of you using Google Maps, but they do because of all the information you put into it. Right. It doesn't cost money. Could you imagine actually having to pay money to use Google Maps? Yeah, that would suck. Yeah. Well, you do. You pay with your information. Sure. You know. But, but I mean, like, somebody is profiting off of your use of it, but you you want theoretically build for you know what I mean. You know what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Yeah. So it is weird, but it is still you're right a transactional. It's a transaction you don't even realize is right. happening. Right. Which I mean, that's this is a whole can of worms, but basically, it's kind of fucking shady. Yeah. Or like, well, not well, kind of. It's very, yeah. But again, it boils down to like regulations and shit. Yeah, and literally how the internet works, <laughs> right? Like, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, we we kind of went one way with the internet, where it's like it became ads, and then it became your information. It's like you're gonna pay for this no matter what. No matter what, there is nothing free. No, how could it be? Right. So either you're going to pay a premium price to get something without ads and without stealing your information. Or you're going to give data, and you're also going to see ads. That's it. Yep. And usually you're going to see the ads based on your data. Right. And, I mean, that's that literally is what YouTube is, right? That's Google's implementation. That's, like, the epitome of that is in YouTube. Like, yeah. YouTube is Google. It's- oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane how they know and apparently they yeah. can know based on your microphone too like you yeah. have conversations okay that. i don't know i'm sure they're that. no i'm no, pretty I, sure they picked myth, up on stuff i've i've heard that that's, that's uh, the case i think that's a myth well but if i say hey true. google my phone turns on and goes you know how can i help you so it's listening yeah that's well true. let's say outside of that like are they listening when you're not saying hey google that's that's, that's the key right I, well, so i okay yeah you're actually right on that because like it technically is always listening because mm-hmm. it has to be yeah same with like uh, like alexa like amazon yeah. stuff in the because it has to because it has to be yes, waiting for you is, to say, hey, you're, you're right it is always listening i think the you know the distinction which is really splitting hairs is whether or not it is pushing that data hmm. it is receiving or storing that data somewhere the facebook advertisements i get and also when i run google through my phone like Google through my phone gives me the best article recommendations I could ever imagine. Everything is on like battleships and like movies or TVs I want to watch. It's like perfect. And it's like it's getting that information partially from conversations. And I know it's reading stuff because like, for example, on Facebook a few days ago, Facebook Messenger, Marty and I had a brief discussion on gun control. Suddenly Facebook marketing is now pushing all these like, don't take my gun t-shirts to me. And it's never done that before. So like I I guarantee it read that conversation. I know it's reading what we write because if you put something into Google, for example, it's reading it. Mm -hmm. And then... That's how they build algorithms. And I'm sure Facebook does. I mean, there's a whole thing about that. And and I'm... But everything you type into YouTube, every video you search for, it doesn't matter if you delete your history. They have your history. Yeah, they know yeah. what you are. I mean, apparently they have like 
I was wa- there's a video on a movie on Netflix right now about this. And oh yeah, I almost watched it. Yeah, oh, yeah? hacker like thing. a documentary. Yeah, about like the it's called uh, like hacking hackers data or... point or hack yeah, something. something like yeah, that. and it's like about I put this, it on my list about like basically the fact that these companies have the so much data about us and how it affected like the. Uh, the political stuff in the States in 2016 and all that. And just because they have so many data points on every single person that they can pretty much manipulate you and know exactly what's going to get you to click and do this and whatever. And that's, that's frightening because you wonder, like you think, Oh, that wouldn't happen to me because I'm aware of it, but I, that's it's, happening. it has to, it's, <laughs> it's just, happening. it just is. Yeah. And I find because it because that is how the internet functions. And I've, I've also heard it said that like YouTube in general also tries to um, kind of, give you content that you may find divisive or maybe offensive yes. because it tries to, that gets more clicks yes because you don't want to just click on things you enjoy you're going to click on things you disagree with right because you're going to be annoyed you're gonna be like i want to watch this thing yeah. that pisses me off yeah there was um there was a i mean there's been lots of shifts in the youtube and all of which some of which i have a kind of a baseline knowledge of but like there was this switch from uh youtube's algorithms they they were changed and it came it, it it shied away from basically like uh like length like how, you know if your video isn't watched completely or or you know the amount of likes on it and it's it's kind of shied away from that and more into the showing like you know the recommended thing the recommended videos is yeah like the stuff like almost like clickbaity shit right mm-hmm. but individualized yeah so scary <laughs> i get it's a lot up. i get a lot of it like I get a lot of stuff that's very obviously like just clickbaity versions of stuff that I would find interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I get a lot of like these like work because I w- w- listen to a lot of like um, workout YouTube people, like just people usually criticizing the other people on YouTube or right. morons. Yeah. But then I get a lot of ads just on everything to do with fitness, like everything, like from garbage to great, and it knows and it just throws it all at the wall at me. Yep, scary. <laughs> All right, well. Well, I think like in terms of video games, honestly, I know we kind of got off topic, but they've they've changed, like you were saying, Leland, they've changed the most. I, um, I agree. And I think they're me. going to continue to change. Like, Be- it, they're just not, it's not going to stop. Because uh, as Leland said, it's all technology based mm-hmm. by by its very definition. Um, I think you're going to see within 10 years that, that a physical release is going to be something few and far between. Um, maybe even within the next five Especially could because um, GameStop and these stores, they're going out of business. Oh, they, my God. They can't GameStop keep up. suck has plummeted in the last yeah. few years. Yeah. And, like and to like less than like 3% of what it once was. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. ridiculous. They couldn't like sell it. Hemorrhaging. No one, no one would buy it. Um, and fucking serves them right though, man. Oh, yeah. The majority of those shops, the, the business practices in which they're, they're, the owners of those shops are disgusting. like instructed to employ yeah. and forced onto their, onto their employees. It's a dirty company. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. They, they they got what was coming to them. Yeah. They were like that thing when we were a kid that was like, oh, I get to go to the EB games. Like It was so exciting because yeah. we didn't have one in our town for a long time. So when we got to actually go out of town. Yeah, go like the next city over. Yeah. And then you get to go and you go to the video game store. The only store that actually sold freaking just video games right and all the other mom and pop ones would always close down really fast or they wouldn't have enough like really content either they'd get like the odd new game um i don't know what it was about like getting games at that point but it was tough for these places um but eb games was the the shizniz Mm -hmm. and they're just they're gone well now i've heard that these game stops they want to 
uh, trying to adapt and scramble to something that may save them is they want to cater a select number of their spaces that could handle it cater these spaces as being more of a hangout place ah they, uh, um, i've heard retro gaming spot yeah yeah, yeah. more maybe more i i don't know what i don't know what else they would do why would anyone go to a fucking GameStop and hang i don't give a shit what's in there that's not I the, don't the, know. The, the, people don't do that right like no because I, mean, no. uh, I mean i'm of course the immediate comparison comes to like a board game cafe mm-hmm. but like that seems like it's just so different whereas like the the a large part of board gaming is the social aspect of it yeah um i wonder if you could have something similar like having a space that was oriented towards like serving food and drinks beverages but also had gaming kind of like just an internet cafe right but like to a degree, like having console games, multiplayer stuff, you could turn on, fire up, sit, ten bucks an hour to sit down and just have a drink, whatever. But they could also sell it games also as well. Games. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you've. I mean, you. It would be. You know, you'd make it a chain like GameStop. Then it's everywhere and easily accessible to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know how that would do. I mean, I would never go to one. Well, I, mean, I don't. know. Maybe I would. It really depends on how they implemented it. I guess. I yeah. guess. And who and did they do they get enough people? What kind of people go there? Right. Are video game are the really hardcore video gamers the kind of people who are gonna congregate in a place like this? Yeah. And if they do, do you really want to hang out with them? Right. You know? I don't know. Well, I mean I've I've never been a, a multiplayer video game player. Not really, no. Um like I think there was a br- a few brief moments. Yeah, I've dabbled. Uh of, of playing games online. I mean, one just because it's bullshit that the consoles have to pay monthly for that access that's bs uh and so i refuse just on principle <laughs> and but also like the the type of games that are played online they don't they aren't the draw for me well i i agree and i think like that's another thing that's interesting is you know you have steam but now you have this other competitor yeah, epic games epic games and people are hating on them because yeah. they're getting exclusive rights to things they are shelling out so much money for those exclusive rights but, it's crazy but that's the thing is they also give their um these developers a better cut yeah i think they right, a higher I, think, percentage. I think they only charge 12 percent or something mm-hmm. and then whereas steam takes 30 wow yeah and that's significant. they give a lot of these play- these developers a downside too they said you'll automatically get this they pay them like you know depending on even like it's like um it's almost like they were doing for a long time with the musicians. It was like, you know, we'll pay you the hundred grand and like, you don't get your first hundred grand worth of sales. But then after that, you start making your money. Right. They're doing like downside agreements with these developers and people are pissed, but that is literally the only way competition can be competent with Valve. You you can't, how else can Mm. someone compete with Valve? Valve has for years, just been sitting back on their asses, raking in the fucking money, not giving a shit about producing video games at all no. anymore. No. Like, so rarely, uh, unless it's like a fucking Team Fortress or whatever. Well, even... Um, Something so easy for them to throw together. Even Blizzard barely does that. Like, yeah. you know, they throw some new Overwatch characters out there. And, right. You know, they've, yeah, you're right. They've been holding on to Diablo 3 for how many years? Yeah. You know, like, these companies don't have to. And now you have Epic Game Store, which is their... Actually, they have a ton of exclusive stuff for the next year. They have Borderlands 3 exclusive yeah, on PC. that's huge. That is enormous. Like There was just another recent one they secured too, but I forget what it was. Um, they have the Outer... Outer, not Outer Wilds, but Outer Worlds. That, oh, yeah. That's they right. have that. That's exclusive. Yeah. That looks awesome. Um, they had Metro. 
They had, right. um, oh, they had, you're right. There is another big one. Yeah, I forget what it is, but one. I remember seeing it. I just love the, the fact that everyone, like, apparently the website UI is just atrocious. It's awful. <laughs> it's so bad. But they give you a free game every two weeks. Really? I just got Alan Wake for free. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Alan Wake is such a good game. Yeah. Oh, like, we need another Alan Wake. Oh, my God. I don't pay any. I'm not on some premium thing. Yeah. I just literally sign in. It's like, here's your game. That's amazing. Uh, okay, cool. I'll cool, take my uh, game. Yeah. Marty get free game. Yeah, Marty does get free game. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's very odd that people are hating on it so much. I guess the thing was that they there was some sort of in, in, and like speaking about Google, like they were taking information, maybe not. Yeah, I think they pr- had a leak or something. Something. Uh, maybe like there's some sort of like shadiness there. Yeah. I have neither seen it confirmed though. Like I just. Yeah, I'm not sure. It, I don't know. I think people are just butthurt a little bit about it. Like, they just can't get I over guess. it. I guess. Is it just people, like, just used to what they're used to and not caring about having competition? Like, it, th- literally, the competition can only be good for everybody. Mm-hmm. Except maybe Steam. <laughs> Except yeah. Valve, I guess. Yeah. But, like, you you can't just have this monopoly on this digital accessibility for all these games. Like, there needs no. to be... So, so Valve can't rate, like put someone over a table for the 30 percent like that yeah. is crazy yeah that is so much uh, yeah especially for because, no effort on valve's part i mean considering it's, most of these developers aren't being say i'd say like very well promoted anyways on steam like right. you just kind of fall to the wayside and then when you do sell something you still lose 30 percent of it yeah so yeah I, I don't see anything wrong with it myself and i think that's going to be more explored in the future too then you may see more stores opening up more options just like other streaming services yeah well yeah i mean i guess like uh, video game developers i don't know if i don't know if you could say there's some onus on them too like they really do need to go where they get the best deal Mm -hmm. right but so like like even if like epic games is asking to, to like giving them money I guess there's there's zero incentive for them to go to maybe another like a third, like smaller person, right? Like oh maybe they're they'll do over ten or whatever, but like still Epic Games is shelling out all this cash. I don't know. That's also risky, right? Like yes, that's what Epic Games needs to do to get their foot in the door. Mm-hmm. But then does it ever end? Like th- there's just got to be a point where like they it's not feasible for them to do anymore, or well, or will it? Like, it's such a huge investment for them to hopefully get a foothold and start making the money back and more. I feel like they have enough money. They, yeah. They're Fortnite, right? Epic Games? Oh, okay. I think they are. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> I think they're fine. Well, uh, maybe there is something to, like, we need we need an online store that isn't publisher-backed. Like, is that where the, the something is sh- shady? I, I have no idea. I don't know how you could implement it without a corporation with the money yeah. because yeah. i mean just hosting all this information alone right is challenging enough and look at with all their money their user interface is still garbage it's stupid well honestly there's i don't know if they'll ever put money into changing it but they really need to like listen to people that are bitching about it. the people that are using actually using it and complaining about it like they need to do something about it's it it's actually almost I wouldn't say impossible, but it's challenging to buy things on there. It's That's challenging not to good. How the fuck do they expect to be successful? It's challenging then? to search for things. It's challenging That's to know so to, to search for things based on like what type of thing you want. Right. Like they just kind of have a screen and a bunch of stuff comes up. Stuff that's out, stuff that's coming out, stuff that's exclusive, stuff that's on sale. Like I don't know what's going on. That's crazy. 
<laughs> so but bad. it's a good price yeah right but it's cheap it's worth worth struggling through it i guess i guess so yeah well i think that's kind of wrapping things up boys um any other final thoughts on generational changes well i i had um kind of something in general that's specifically video game but like pop culture in general and like pop culture figures passing down like our, our, god forbid we ever have children <laughs> and pass down to them these hobbies that we enjoy and like this information is there something being lost in that now is that is that like handoff not happening um i recently had a a, a very poor ending to a date uh it resulted in an argument about uh spider-man being known as a character like as a comic book character and her opinion was she surmised and posited that 35 percent of say i think it was like 16 year olds for just an example that 35 percent of 16 year olds don't know spider-man is from a comic book and i thought that was ridiculously high that seems crazy to me i think you'd be surprised though but but that also infers a lack of so much other knowledge in general yeah. honestly that's too much no no, no a lot of people have almost no working knowledge of nerdy stuff it's it's way more popular than it was but like because we have so much that like we assume people at least have like a basis a, a little bit so you think that baseline is higher than what we actually attributed to um, or, or lower like the actual the working baseline we think it's higher than because of our more depth knowledge. I I really think that it is really low, honestly. I but, think But like that would I mean to me that's like okay, did this same demographic know that Batman and Superman are comic book characters, you know, and and the myriad of uh showcase Marvel superheroes and Wonder like that is so much knowledge that you have to is not there in the same realm that is seems crazy well it, it, it's impossible to say unless you actually have figures like some kind of mm-hmm. official study that interviewed sure. the younger generation what i the only point i would make on this matter is that i think there's so much content available to today's young people especially like they're just growing up with like rivers and rivers of content they can't dive that deep into it or they're so distracted they're not going to look up that spider-man came from okay. some comic book and, so they, and superman and, started and an action comic number one and right and they don't need to they don't need to with what's being enough. spoon-fed okay. them that that would yeah be that's point. a that's a good point i don't know i just think she's way off base no she's gone <laughs> After we're off the air, I'd love to hear about this. <laughs> Sounds fascinating. I just, I can, I can imagine how this conversation went. Oh, it, it, it literally, I, I went right into podcast mode and like started arguing like why I would with, with Moby or I, you. <laughs> I know part of this story involved either one of the two threatening to leave the, the other on the side of the road. Legit. So. Cool. I'm excited for this. And I'm surprised <laughs> you haven't told me about it. On um, that note. All right. So end of, end of show stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right. You can find our show notes, uh, and some written content at ttpodcast.com. We're on some written content. <laughs> Year old listener from our last anniversary. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're on you know Stitcher and iTunes and Podbean. Uh, we do actually have a Patreon page that we never, ever plug. Oh. It paid for Marty. Hey, if it you did. want more Marty, <laughs> yeah, Patreon. Yeah, any, any money counts. Yeah. <laughs> Please, <laughs> any. 
<laughs> Anyways, I've been Leland Steele. You can get into the 50 cent Patreon uh, <laughs> level. Oh boy, we're really Penny Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Moby. And I'm Marty. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye.